As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Despite what their moms told them, they just aren't talented enough for radio. Unfortunately, anyone can have a show these days. Sean. Well, I'm pretty hard to figure out sometimes. I can't figure myself out sometimes, so don't you try to. Joe. You're an idiot and really a disloyal person. This is the Cuse Militia. Those two unapologetically biased, orange-blooded homers, Sean and Joe. It's the most bullshit thing I've seen in 30 years. Welcome, orange men and ladies. Happy Thursday. This is the Cuse Militia with Sean and Joe at Cuse Militia on the socials. Go there, join the militia. It's Thirsty Thursday. It's Thirsty Sunday when we do the show on Sunday, too, though. So, and Thirsty Wednesday and Tuesday and Monday. A second quad four loss for the Orange. 56 threes made and 168 points. Syracuse is lost by a total of 77 points, 363 to 286 in the four-game skid. More single-game records broken by opponents after the Orange drop against Wake Forest, 96 to 76. Supposedly one of the worst shooting teams in the ACC. Um, you'll hear from us. We'll hear from you a little bit and fan feedback. And Syracuse will wrap up the regular season at the Dome this Saturday at 5 o'clock. We'll let you know what we think about that game against Wake Forest. So, look. First of all, of course we're doing a podcast. I guess. I had a late soccer game last night, and I wasn't going to get... I was. I didn't... By the way, Joe... We were gonna. I was thinking about going to eight o'clock, but I, it would have been closer to nine. And nine guys is my bedtime. So actually, eight o'clock's <laughs> bedtime. But anyway, um, anyways, that's why we're late. And I figured, what's the rush? Right. So Syracuse hasn't lost four in a row this year, and they're finishing the season with it. It's not good. Uh, the looks, in my opinion progressively getting worse in body language and play. And it doesn't bode well to finish out the season. So with that said, we're going to do another montage. We'll hear from Coach. We'll talk about it, and then we'll hear from you. Here it goes. Our fans get to cheer about us, our two walk-ons making plays. Listen, we played this team in Atlanta. They're a good team. They were... Pretty good then. They're a little better team now. They're playing better. Um, but we played them in Atlanta. Our defense was just better. We were moving better. Our defense has progressively gotten worse. And, you know, we tried to go with the press. That was a mistake. We just gave them some open shots there. I shouldn't do that. That's I should know better. And uh, But 
we can't stop anybody. And uh, that's that's the bottom line. You know, uh, offensively we did some things. We Jesse's got to be better down there than that. But um, we we just have not been able to stop anybody four games in a row. And you know, that's me. Uh, that's on me. It's my defense, and we're not able to stop anybody with it. So that's where we are. Questions. We're standing a lot on defense, on rebounding situations, standing and watching, looking for somebody else maybe to get it. And, you know, offensively, we try to get people to play. And, you know, as guys are shooting threes that cannot shoot threes. And, you know, that's just trying to get us back in the game the wrong way. But uh, when you when your defense is this bad, it really doesn't really matter that much. We played pretty good offense for quite a while, but that's not that's not the issue. That's not the answer. The reality is we're not going anywhere unless we win the tournament, which obviously is very unlikely the way we're playing. But this game, as much as you want to win it, doesn't change anything. We have to go there and win to, to, have, to go to the tournament. So. But, you know, obviously you, you don't want to play this badly. Um, you know, our fans have been great all year, and I'm sorry they have to watch that because this was the first time at home that we just haven't competed defensively. Chris Bell started the first 28 games of the right. season. He hasn't played at all the last two. Yeah, he was going to start the last this game and then practice yesterday. He didn't do anything for, like, six consecutive plays, literally. He was going to start tonight. I think at times this year we played really exceptionally well. Exceptionally well. In um, losses. Miami, North Carolina, Virginia. Um, when we played teams that we were supposed to beat, we beat them, but it was a battle. <laughs> they could have gone either way. You know, you're always going to lose a couple close games. We won four or five on the road that I think Normally, we with this team, certainly if we played them right now, we would lose. We just had enough momentum to get those games. Notre Dame, Florida State, you know, those Boston College up there, Georgia Tech. Um, we wouldn't win those games right now, the way we're playing. We're just not playing good enough on the defensive end. We were better then. Um, I don't have an answer for why we're not playing better now. Um, I really, I don't, uh, but, you know, again, that's on me. We're not, I'm not getting them to play good enough on the defensive end, and uh, that's, that's, the, that's the bottom line. Georgia Tech's not going anywhere. They played really hard, really well tonight, and that's what you're supposed to do. You go out there and you gotta, you're playing for pride, uh, your individual pride, your team pride, um, we let that go today. We let the pride that we have in our team down today. We didn't play like it was important. I, I, I say that, but I think they were trying every play, but we just didn't execute defensively. We didn't rotate. We didn't get up to the high post. What do you hope your younger players think in a game like this? Uh, I hope they're embarrassed. I, mean, <laughs> I hope they see that this isn't good or anything.
All right, so that was lovely. Um, Joe. Sir. <laughs> uh, the defense, obviously, uh, the glaring issue. Last four games, I don't know what. <coughs> I don't know, you know, I'm not smart enough basketball-minded uh, guy to um, be able to, other than it's just effort. Other than effort, I don't know what could be done. I don't know what's happened. You heard Coach talk about the games that we did win that were close were teams we should have beat, and we we hung with a lot of teams that we had no business of hanging with. And so when you when you look at all of that, and we talked a lot about that, and, and some of the luck that was on our side, and winning some of these close games and pulling them out, and um, you know now we're just floundering, and like there is all hope is lost. Like there's like it's just it's demoralizing to watch as a fan. Your team just blow it game after game. 168 yeah. points and three pointers in the last four games. It's a lot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they've been averaging the last three games. You have teams are averaging 95 points, 16 threes against us. Um, that's not good. It's not going to work. Um, at least, I mean, maybe in the NBA it would, but not here. And the tough part about it is, is that we don't know. Like, we're not in the. You know, obviously, there's things that are going on. You know, we've had situations where. Benny is playing good, then he's not, then he takes a personal day off and isn't even at a game, and then, you know, Chris Bell starting every game, and now he's not even getting any minutes, and you know that there's players that just aren't, aren't happy, and you don't know what's going on behind closed doors, uh, and it's tough to watch because, I mean, I watched, obviously, watched the Georgia Tech game, and I'm watching, and it's like, effort is tough, right? Because you can put an effort doing something wrong. Absolutely. Right? So... Yeah. It's the situation, I th- and that's when I was watching them. I'm, I'm watching them, and yeah, for certain rebounds, and there are plays and certain things where they're they're ball watching and, and everything like that. And there's obviously just some mental, a lot of mental errors that goes on. But it doesn't mean that they're not trying. But in certain times, you do see that they aren't trying. But there was also plays where they played good defense, and then they hit a deep three that had no business hitting, or then they get an offensive rebound and get another shot and make it. Um, and those are the type of demoralizing defensive possessions that you have that can, can just kill a team, especially a young team that's on this type of streak, you know, on this type of losing streak, especially after you're winning three, you're going into Duke thinking that you can go ahead and start still, a run to try to, you know, get into the tournament, right? Yeah, like, there's still tournament hopes four games ago. Right. And now it's, it, we're here. Without and the other day no- I was sitting there and I was watching, I didn't, Sean, I didn't know. I didn't know if I was watching the worst defensive team because it didn't look to me like the worst defensive team I've ever seen. Or if I was watching Georgia Tech play the best possible game they could ever play in their lives. But why does every team play their best game against Syracuse? So that tells me it's the defense. Well, those last three games, right? Yeah. It tells me that I think that there's something that coaches have figured out through tape and through watching other teams try to beat the zone. There's things that they've figured out against this particular zone that we have that our guys just haven't been able to figure out on the floor. You know, you talk about... Some of the, the, you know, maybe some of the issues going on personally or otherwise with some of the players. You got Chris Bell, hasn't played in two games. He was going to start. And then I guess he had a bad practice. And coach said, I guess that you're just not even going to play. Um, 
And that's two games in a row. And Chris Bell was a player who was coming on and um, showing a lot of promise and and was doing really good. And yeah. now, you know, he's been benched like riding the pine the past two games, like in warm-up stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. th- that's... Now listen, <laughs> listen to the uh, Chris Joseph, Eric Diebendorf podcast. Okay. And that's actually it's pretty funny. Um, if you do want to listen... Um, the parental, uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> parental yeah, discretion yeah. advised, yeah. but yeah. Um, yeah, it's funny listening to their thought process because they know because they went through it and they sit there on the podcast and they're like, you know, they try to give young kids advice, especially when they're talking about Coach Bayheim and how to deal with certain coaches and stuff. <laughs> but it's also funny because they also realize that they didn't realize it until actually they graduated and when they were kids and they were the coach or were they when he was their coach. They thought this did the same things. They, you know what I mean. So, um, you know, it's just kids growing up. But um, specifically, when they were talking about the Chris Bell thing, they were like, Devendorf is like, you know, that he did something. You know, he's he's in the doghouses. You know, he did something. Just he just he's like, you know, Coach Beheim. He's like, he find any reason not to, <laughs> to do something. You know, and you know that he just probably did some slight little. He probably threw, you know, a, threw of, a little bit of a fit when he was being corrected or something, and it, maybe it escalated a little bit. He's like, all right, well, you're not going to play. That was the one thing that I thought it was funny when they were saying There's a lot of things that were funny, but they were like, you don't give your coaches any reason to give them a reason not to give you playing time. I mean, seriously. So. I, I, I mean, you know, he switched to a man late in the game. And some people are like, oh, you think it was just to spite people, to show them. I mean, it was late in the game. I mean, I, I guess it was... Mm, the last I, I, 15 minutes. Well, it, yeah. It was, true. but we were down 30. Right. But so I didn't see... Uh, yes, true. But, I, I mean, it didn't... It still, to me, visually, was just like, okay, you know, it threw, it threw a little bit of a curveball, but then it, was just, then it was the same old. It was the same old, same old. And when Coach was talking... And, I mean, same old, same old, just as far as just... We were just still getting killed. I mean... Um, yeah, coach, once they figured it out. Yeah. Right. And, and Coach talked about the press. You know, we, we've talked uh, that the press has gotten worse along with the defense, uh, with the defense in general, I should say. But, I mean, Coach has admitted that, I mean, look, a lot of this lies at his feet. The, the, he can, he's taking it now, yeah. Yeah, he's taking it now. I mean, he's, he's taking a little bit, but not like he did in the last press conference. But, yeah, I mean – the press, not the best idea. I mean, but I think I, I don't fault him for trying it. But yeah, I mean, the last two teams have killed us again with the press. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to lie. I think he tried it too early, Pittsburgh. I still thought that there was time to play your base defense. and But maybe it wouldn't have mattered. I don't know. Well, well Joe, I got to imagine. I mean, I hear what you're saying, but we'll never know. But I don't think it would have mattered. I, I honestly don't. I honestly don't, just because of the fact that, you know, Pittsburgh been there and done that. And we, we had we had pinned Pittsburgh up against a wall with that thing. And they probably, who knows how many times you talk about watching tape, how many times did they watch that? That's what saved Syracuse's ass in that game, or almost did. And, you know, yeah. they had to have revisited that. There's and, a lot going on there. Yeah, exactly. Fans so, were super motivated. Bayheim since then, had called them out for buying a team. And, again, I mean... They almost they took their, their foot off the gas pedal and they almost lost that game the first time around. So yeah. they were going to make sure they didn't do it this time around. Yeah, 
I, I just, you know, it's just, it's tough. It's, it, I give credit to anybody who's listening to podcasts right now. I give credit to anybody who's reading articles. I mean, there's nothing to write about and there's nothing I can sit here and say that is going to be anything different than I've already said before in the last three games. Right, Joe? I yeah. mean, we, we've kind of deferred. I think sometimes when we have stretches like this, we defer to other subjects. We haven't really talked about too much about the game in general. We we kind of we kind of find other content, and there's really there's nothing left. We're out of we're out of other content right now to yeah. to talk about. So we're left talking about this montage. Uh, but you know we've gotten a couple we've gotten a couple uh, Easter eggs in montages the past couple of times to be able to elaborate on and in yep. in kind of change the subject. And I think that. You know, when you commit to doing a show like this where you're trying to cover every game and going into every game and you see the same thing four games in a row, at least the past, at least three. I mean, you can almost you can almost just give Duke the pass and then the last three, even though they're all pretty damn similar. Right. You know what I mean? But it's just I mean, what what do you say? OK, look, you know, all any hope I had is gone. All right. Oh, of course. And, you know, I held on to it at the, till the very last minute. Had we put up a fight against Clemson, Pitt, Georgia Tech, beat Georgia Tech and put up a fight against the other ones, I mean, you still have hope. They still could go in the tournament and do something, right? I have nothing left. I have nothing left, Joe. And I'm not trying, to be, I'm not trying to be rude or nasty. It's nothing against the players or the coaches in general. It's just that I'm just... Uh, I, I, I ain't know. seeing it. No, I mean, coach isn't either, and he <laughs> no, said that no. at the press Wait, conference. If he no, doesn't just, know what to do, what the hell are we supposed to say right. about it? Really? Yeah, and I'm honestly like we've played, we've seen games where we've gotten blown out by double digits, twenty points against you know other good teams, right? Or maybe we have, you know, some injury or something like that. But very few times that I can remember, I know there was a DePaul game way back in the day, but. Like Tuesday was probably one of the hardest games that I've ever had to watch. Yeah, it was tough. That, one of the, the worst. Just only a lot of it was because of the talent level and the fact that we just beat them by seventeen at Georgia Tech this year with the same team. Well, our team was the same. Theirs wasn't. Well, okay, but still, I mean, even with they, they had five players play like over thirty six, thirty seven minutes. So here I'm sitting there thinking like, oh, their their legs are gonna be, their legs are gonna be tired in the second half. They're not gonna hit the threes. That's what I was thinking. And they still did. I was thinking the same thing because you know you normally see that if they come out hot, especially in the first half, they always cool down. And they just well, didn't. Plus, like I said, a lot of times it's and you know if you if you have a deep team and you can keep people's legs fresh, then maybe that doesn't happen, you know. But the, you figure these guys are gonna play 36 minutes, and it wasn't like that it was a slow paced game. And, and of, they were—they still seemed good at the end of the game. It was—it was pure adrenaline, and they were having the freaking game of the year for these guys. That's dude, the best yeah, game dude, they. I mean, two two players had twenty points. Another one had thirty, and the other guy had a triple double. Yeah, you love the triple doubles too. Coming against your team, there was another. There was another team that did the same. I think thing we've given earlier. up like two or three triple doubles. I think it's three because wasn't wasn't um wasn't um. Who was it? Indiana. They were the first one, I think. Anyway. I they might have. Yeah, I, I think it was Indiana. And then there was Did a the guy from ones. Miami do it? 
man, I, I can't know. remember, but I th- when you say three, I'm, I'm pretty sure you're right. But I, I, it doesn't matter. It's just like, what, what, like, okay, as a, like, as a player, what do you have left in the tank? Coach talked about pride. So Coach walked this statement back, by the way, when he realized what he was saying and how he was probably going to get hammered by news articles or this or that. But what he was saying is true. It to some extent, maybe it's not pride, but um, you know, y- y- saying they gave up is h- harsh. But somewhere in between pride and giving up, it, that's what really happened. I mean, I just don't know what they have left in the tank and what motivation they have left to play as a team and try to get some more wins one way or another somehow this year. I just don't see how you do it after you get beat down, beat down. Now, I think they can, but what I'm seeing with my eyes is another story. And when Coach comes to the podium and he talks about something like that and he re- he gets so deep into it that he's like, now, you know, and, and what I, I mean, you know, with that said, they've been, they tried on every play. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if they tried on every play. We just got done talking about how they stood around watching people try to grab rebounds, waiting for the next guy they to did. do it. And I saw certain plays and I saw plays where Benny Williams is, and that's what I was, it's, It's just so frustrating because it's like he doesn't have an answer, and it seems like for the first time in a long time he doesn't have an answer, at least one that he can give without getting killed. And And that's just it. He's got an answer. (laughs) He's got an answer. He just can't say it out loud. I guarantee it. I mean, he's not. But you're watching Benny Williams play guard nobody, standing in the middle of two guys and not being able to close out on a a three-point shooter. And you see – When they played man, they couldn't close out on shooters. Coach is coaching him (laughs) up, getting Malik – Malik – See what he's doing? Make sure you guard that guy. Benny, out. You just gave up two threes. Malik goes in, allows the same thing to happen as they're coaching Benny up. Benny, this is what you're doing. This is what you're doing. You can't do this. You have to pick a guy. You have to. Then he goes back, and they just continue to make the same mistakes. So I don't know if they're just ball watching and they're not like watching men, the man, like the guys moving around. I don't know if there's any communication out there because a lot of well, the commu- is people in the back line communicating. And I know in the past I've heard it. The communication is terrible, dude. It is. There, there, there's the no past, communication. Dude, I remember when Bai Musakita was in that middle, you could hear him talking and telling people. Well, they used and to, Roberson and stuff like that. Like they used to talk about it too. Talk during during between foul shot or you know between whistles, they they would talk about it. They huddle up to talk about it. You, you don't see that. It's just like it's like freestyle. Like this is freestyle basketball, and coaches always had kind of a freestyle offense, but the defense is not. Like that needs to be. They need to play more cohesive than what they've been doing. And um, I don't know what's changed. And if coach, like I said, if coach doesn't or he doesn't say he does, then I don't know what the hell to expect myself. I mean, I don't think it's a change thing, really. I think it's you know that's just what it is. They have a base defense. They go in with a game plan: who to stop, who to get out on. And this is, you know, we're going to make these guys take these shots. Well, how much of this is preparation by coaches? You know, I mean, I I mean, I think a ton of it's preparation by coaches. You know, the the kids got to go in there and execute, but it just seems like the gameplay. Dude, we were out of timeouts with like a half a game with like 19 minutes left in the game. (laughs) Like it was that bad. Have you ever seen a coach burn through timeouts like that? I'd rather him do that. I mean, what's what's the ladder? I mean, well, yeah, what are you saving them for? I get it, but I know. I'm not arguing that it should <laughs> because, have been done, you know, yeah, but that's how bad you know what it was. Happens when that's that my point. That happens, right? 
don't call a timeout and let you go down 20. And the fans are yelling, well, what about a timeout? Yeah. What about this? What about yeah. that? So That's the other thing just- in front of a home crowd, too. And uh, Wake Forest is a, is a game that's going to be played on senior night. And I think they're retiring some jerseys, if I remember right. Um, it's alumni Hake- weekend, I believe. Hakeem Warwick and, and, and Jerry, Jerry McNamara's Mac- jersey are getting hung. So, um, Yep, there are a lot of, lot of uh, alumni coming back for that game. Yeah, I, can they still play? I think that, play? that place is going to be packed. And I think the majority of the reason why that place is going to be packed is because they're doing a ceremony for the 2003 National Championship team. 20 years. And it's senior day and it's all that other stuff, right? It's everything. It's everything. Is it going to be, is it going mo- to, what is going to motivate this team? Joe Girard is got to, you know, he, the reins are his, like, like take them, do something, you know? Um, I just don't need help. Need help. Oh, Same I know. Absolutely. I mean, Absolutely. I, mean, I know, but it starts with a leader. You need one leader. It starts with that. Yeah, I just, I just don't know. Did you see, did you see Judah out there like trying to get his team motivated, trying to get him to play? And it's frustrating because it's not a good look either for you know. Why would Judah come back and play with a bunch of guys? Just gonna, I was just gonna say, what does this even mean for next year? The effort that we're seeing. What does this mean for next year? We talked so much about you know this is a this is a almost a gimme year. That's so young. Uh, so much talent that still needs to be developed. This is, is going to be great. We're going to see what they can do. They're going to get better throughout the year, and they got, they did, they got, they did get better. They were getting better. Players individually were getting better. Benny Williams had a huge game. Malik Brown was coming on. Chris Bell was doing great, and then we hit this freaking brick wall, and now it's just Name Duke. Duke. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was not just that though. It's not just that. It started there. It started there, but it, I mean, it could have started with anybody. It doesn't matter. I mean, I wouldn't lay it there, but um, I think it's just the cumulative of, of the four games. It's increasingly worse with every loss. And, you know, the feels a little bit like the team's ready to – I just feel like they're waiting for the season to be over. I mean, I know, that, I know a lot of fans are. I know I'm not exactly excited about – See, I just feel where like I feel like this don't is going like that. I well, I know, I know that they probably don't. I say it feels like players it looks like play. it feels like it looks like that. Well, if they want to play, they should actually play then. And you got you got guys that <laughs> aren't play. playing. Well, you got guys out there that aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing, and they're getting crushed, and they're standing around looking at n- another guy going, "You gonna grab that rebound, or you want me to go get it? You should you get it? What should we do here?" So. I don't know. It's just frustrating. And I no, love this I team. What, I love this team. A... I was excited about this team just just to, um, just on a personal level. I'm, you well, know, the development, and I think that it's yeah. just it's unfortunate that the last four games have went the way they have. And it's just a, obviously a, a bad look on a season where there was a lot of bad losses early and then a bunch of missed opportunities in the middle. And... Just so a no, little bit of controversy be and, and, you know, the, some of the things surrounding the, the players and just the team in general. And it's just like, ugh, gosh, man, just a forgettable year, unfortunately. You know, we talk about last year being the first losing season and couple that with football season and the lacrosse season. And you're just like, man, that was terrible. And then we come into this year and we're like, oh, my gosh. No, I mean, been- an okay start with the bowl game. 
No, 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 no. No, I'm just talking about ba- basketball. The, uh, the, right. We got the bowl game, lacrosse teams, you know, and they're, they're a good team. They're going to be good. They're going to get better. But I'm just saying, just like you think you go out of last year and you're like, man, I can't wait till next year. And, and let's be honest. I mean, you got your football guys and basketball guys. I was always a basketball guy. You always knew kind of what you had with basketball. It was the one consistent a lot of times that was always a contender in something. And we kind of got spoiled with that for so long. And now you're just like, like shit, we can't even have that now. Like it's, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? It's just, cause if you put it in perspective, the majority of the basketball teams have more seasons like this year and worse than they do making it to the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I would agree with that. But you know, there are the teams that remain consistent and have, and we used to be one of them. And you can make an argument that, well, it's the AC. It's going into the ACC and and this and that and you know if it was sanctions and the mix of this and the mix of that and you know and the, the, you know. And we'll get into that later. It's just compounding one thing after another. So, um, <laughs> all right, let's do this. Let's go to Facebook. I didn't ask for thoughts, but I got them anyway. Uh, Facebook left them. I don't think Are we live yet. I don't think Twitter did anything. No, you want to go live? I have it set up. If you want to. All right. Here we go. Time to hear from you. It's time to hear from you. The loud mouths from the loud house. All right, guys. You know what to do. And gals. You know what to do. At the end of every game, I ask for your thoughts on the game. Go there. You leave them. In fact, I didn't ask for thoughts. I said if I wanted to hear your thoughts, I'd ask. But some Which of you, is indirectly. Some of you left them anyway. Oh, it turned people off on Twitter. So, um, anyway. No, well, I mean, that's kind of, I mean. Facebook maybe. was was solid, though, as they always are. I mean, it's a little contradictory, bud. I know. It's my way of saying, look, drop your thoughts. I just, I'm not going to do my whole rigmarole where I act oh, like I'm excited about. I thought you were doing the whole, you know, I'm going to say this. Like like the the comment for the unfollow. Oh no no no! It's my way of saying look. Like leave, instead of like not saying anything and just unfollowing or just not putting down. Oh no no! That's more game, direct. That's more just direct. Put, if I wanted thoughts for the game, that I'd ask. Yeah, it's sar. It's known as sarcasm. Oh okay all right. Oh. Yeah, I guess you know. I thought it was well, funny. It worked. I thought it was funny. Uh, Robert, on Facebook, I'm just wondering what the hell happened to the last four games. We're not even close to the scrappy team we saw. I mean, wow, it's stunning. I mean, I totally agree with that. It's not, it's, it's just, it's like you're watching a different, it's like you're watching a team that all are either hungover or running a fever or have a stomach bug and have diarrhea. Whoa. That's what it's like for me. I'm just saying. Uh, Top fan, Jesse. Oh, yeah. Uh, On Facebook. Come on, cat. You know, I asked my wife to do one thing for me when she exited this area before I started the podcast, and that is to get the cats out of here. And what do I got, Joe? A cat. You got a cat. Uh, I got a cat. Jesse. Top fan, 
Last year's team. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. That is not. That is not this game. Forgive me. The cat walked across the keyboard. Is what happened. So, um, <laughs> which is always a problem. Uh, oof. I'm straight out of positivity for this year. If we're punting and at this point, I'd like to see Cope and Brown play the whole game against Wake, cause hustle and maybe they won't transfer. I mean, look, I don't think I think Malik Brown knows he's got a spot, and um, you know, there was a comment by Coach on people trying to do things to get us into the into the game. Um. But taking bad shots. I mean, there were some bad shots. And, and bad defense leads to bad offense. You know, you, the term defense, good defense leads, leads to offense. But bad defense leads to bad offense because this team's just not poised enough to be able to contain themselves and get themselves back in the game. It's like, it's like they hit the panic button so damn quick. Right. And there was a lot of, you know, Judah, like, look, Judah hit what, five in a row at one point? He went one for six. I mean, does he really need to be taking six? I don't know. Or seven, I mean, rather. I mean, you know, I, I don't know. If you just want to throw people out there for practice and not want to try to win, I think you put Copeland and, and Brown in for the whole game. Just, but, but do you really need to do that to keep him here? Joe? Uh, those two, I don't think so. Right. Yeah, I think I, that's what I think, too. I think that those two have been good teammates, whether they played or whether they didn't, and they've actually gotten more playing time as the season's gone on. So I think they, they realize um, that those are those are two players right there that didn't let the starting lineup in the beginning of the year and the minutes they got in the non-conference change how they practiced, how they tried to get better, how they were teammates, um, and their hard work paid off and it ended up getting them a lot more minutes than what a lot of people thought they were going to get. So <clears throat> they see, they, they know what it takes to put in. They just got to put in, you know, more time in the off season and, um, you know, get bigger, faster, stronger and, and work together to figure out what the heck's going on with this defense. But I don't think those two are the ones that, that we got to worry about. You know, I think Chris Bell, Justin Taylor and Benny are the ones, um, that, that people have to worry about because those guys have all been up and down and they've all had a lot of early minutes. I, and if, if it if I'm guessing, I think you have to worry about Benny. That's who I think you need to worry about. And right now, maybe Chris Bell. Because Chris Bell doesn't seem like a happy guy. And you know what? Maybe Chris Bell brought it upon himself and he just can't handle who knows? The you never know because we, we don't know what's don't going know. on behind closed doors. But, That's... Exactly, but he doesn't seem like a happy guy. Nonetheless, doesn't matter. No, I mean, shoot. I mean, there's probably there's every roster has a guy that's you know not happy. So and it is what it is. You're not going to be able to make everybody happy. You got to do what you got to do as coaches to give you the best chance to win. Yeah, uh, here's a little thread. Brian, top fan on Facebook. Everyone can blame JB, but those players quit. Not the coaches, not the fans, but the players. Let's hear about the NIL deals. Crap. Um, Bobby responds and said they quit because their coach refuses to adapt to today's game. Um, Bobby says, maybe, but I st- uh, it's still horseshit for the players to give zero effort 
and then have balls big enough to ask for more money to come play for SU with NIL deals. Okay, I'm not, I, I didn't proofread that. I'm not going to keep going. I'll leave it there um, because it's all speculation. But um, as far as the players quitting, Joe, obviously I don't think they all did, but I think, I think uh, it's fair to say that the body language of some was subpar, to say the least. Um, and... I guess to piggy that back that with um, Bobby's response saying that they quit because the coach refuses to adapt today's game, and I just don't, I just don't know, because um, they they were playing good doing the same thing. Like you can take that a couple different ways. Like I mean, is he talking about like the way that you would, navigate your roster through like NIL transfer portal that kind of stuff, or is he talking about just the way that they play? The I game? think and that it's the. I think this is a knock on the zone. If I had okay. to guess, yeah, that's what it sounds like, yeah. right? In that, in that, in that, the zone isn't conducive to what the game is today, and that is outside shooting, right? So. The zone worked yeah. really good in the days where it was more of a penetration game and kind of um, kind of a kill the clock deal a lot of times, and um, the game has just evolved a little bit. And I think that um, it's probably a knock on on that. But you know, there's a lot of old school to Jim Beheim, and you know, maybe there's someone that can come in for the same amount of money and do better, but. Um, we still have the rest of this year to figure to figure out what's left. Okay, let's start there. And like I said, I, I don't think Bayheim's around. If he doesn't retire this year, I bet you he retires next year. That's yeah, just my guess. Saying that, right? I mean, that's just my guess. And I mean, I wouldn't be like. Of course, he wants to leave this thing in good. When he when he passes the torch, he wants to leave it in good shape. But is it is it possible? I mean, at this point, if this whole if this breaks apart this year, and you've got a bunch of transfers, and you don't have much of a roster for next year, and you're you're you have to dip in the portal, what's your what's your game plan? Well, and that's the thing, right? Is it's who again? Who who takes his place? I know. I mean, at this point, I think there's a lot of people that don't care who takes his place. They just want to see someone else. Mm. I'm just saying, I'm, I, I mean, I do. I care. I mean, I guess my thing is this, right, is that like Mike Hopkins right now, right, he's in his sixth season in Washington. They're talking about how he might be getting fired this year. He's in mm-hmm. the hot seat. Yeah, he did um, really good his first year, won coach of the year in his conference, and he's, right? And he's put a whole a whole bunch of players in, in into the NBA. Um, it's just... Big men? Just... Big men, guards. I mean, really? he's, okay. he's had good recruiting classes. It's just... He's they just haven't gotten it done as far as wins and losses once they get into, you know, the play. And, you know, maybe Mike Hopkins is just supposed to be an assistant coach. You know, I don't know, because he's a hell of a recruiter. And I saw the recruiting went down when we lost him. I, so and, go ahead. Yeah. And re- realistically, when you look at it, if we get an assistant that comes in, are they are they going to do the same thing? Because, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of bashing Jim Beheim and bashing this, this and that. But a lot of it is the, the zone. Right. Some of it's recruiting in the NIL and stuff like that, which, again, there's some reasons for that. But, I mean, a lot of it is the zone and how they play their offense. If you just get another guy on the coaching staff and say, "Okay, we got to get Jerry McNamara and hire him as head coach. And maybe we can try to get Hopkins back as an assistant or whatever. Maybe get the recruiting back up. 
that's all fine and dandy. And you can keep your recruits and keep everything kind of intact the way that it is because this is kind of how the school is. But you're still – I mean, are they going to still do the 2-3 zone? Is it still going to be basically Jim Beheim coaching but just somebody underneath them? You know what I mean? Like it's – if that's the case, then this next coach is going to be – all the fans are going to be on them. The, the first season, if he comes out and plays 2-3 zone – and we don't do good, then it's going to be, oh, the same old this, the same old that. We need to do this, this, and that. And it's just like we got to decide on what, what we are. I mean, right. look, he's been there, and he's built this since my, it's my whole life. Well, both of our it's, whole it's lives. All, it's exactly. A lot of people that are listening, it's, it's, that's what we know. And I think that's probably part of, I mean, the fact that he's done well and he's we get him for a hometown discount. But he's also, I mean – it's safe. You know what I mean? Like people have just, they're used to it. You know what I mean? They're comfortable with it. So I think that the fans, a lot of the fans that want him to be here probably are doing that because of the comfort level. And then there's other fans that probably think that there's other reasons, right? Um, you know, they just, he can make, he can decide on his own. He can do all of this. And then there's other fans that want him gone and want to bring in some new blood, some, you know, and I mean, we've been a, we've been a team of, Family, a team of guys always come back. Assistant coaches always come back. Players are always coming back and helping. And you see that even with Beheim's army and everything, you know. And what happens to that? What happens to that whole thing when, you know, you go off and you just get rid of all the assistant coaches that played for Syracuse and you go and you just get all these new coaches that really don't have that Syracuse blood running through them, you know? Well, I... All right, a couple of things. Back to Hopkins. He recruited guys from us, first of all. Yep. We already know that he can do that. I mean, he, we know that he's a great recruiter. We know he's a great motivator. We know that he is a, um, a guy who um, can connect well with the younger generation and um, probably more so than coach. Okay, to be fair, obviously, I think it goes without saying. Um, but I don't know if that's the answer either. Uh, but like you said, maybe a better assistant coach. And I don't know what the answer is. I'm just speculating. But here's one thing. Um, Jerry McNamara, as awesome of a player as he is, and as dedicated he's been, and as long as he's been at Syracuse uh, as an assistant, um, we don't hear much from him. Um, he does the scouting um, some of the game prep and things like that um, is Jerry, and I know that he's not out there playing, so I'm putting, not laying everything at his feet, but there is a coaching aspect there that we should see more of, I feel like, from Jerry McNamara. And that's not a knock on Jerry. Everybody loves him. I love him too. But is that the answer? I don't know. I don't know what the answer is, Joe. I have no idea. I, I, I'm just I'm just spitballing here because it's what people are talking about and that's what we're dealing with. Um, but you know, um, I think that to some degree, if Hopkins came back, he would be more successful at Syracuse. I will say that. I think that if Jerry was to fill the head coaching role, uh, that he would have success and uh, maybe be able to do things his way. You know, there's still, he's still doing things coach's way. Right. So, I mean, he is the coach. Right. So with that said, I think Hopkins, if Hopkins were to take over the, take it over when he thought he was supposed to, or maybe when we all speculated rather than 
going to Washington, he would be more successful here than he would be there. But we did see him coach as a head coach for SU with the full roster when, when Coach Beheim was suspended. It wasn't good. It was like one and six or something like that. It wasn't great. Yeah. So and I know that he was thrown into that role in, uh, unexpectedly to some degree. But yeah, but that was the year we went to the Final Four, surprisingly, too. So, and that's that's the whole thing is people want to talk about ACC. The first year we got to the ACC, it was Tyler Ennis, was, that was his freshman year. We had a great year. We were 28 and six. Um, went to the third round of the, of the NCAA tournament, you know, but then the next year, we lost a whole bunch of guys and we weren't eligible for postseason because we got sanctioned. So then we went into the scholarship thing. And even dealing with the scholarship thing, we still went to the Final Four the next year. But then the year after that, we had to fill with transfer portal guys and we ended up going to the NIT. Um, and then after that, you're talking about a Sweet 16 and then two NCAA, you know, runs in a row. And then all of a sudden, COVID hit. And. I feel like with COVID and just with everything, I don't know. Well, everybody's playing with a level playing field, though, Joe. I mean, you make the argument that COVID was bad. I know, but but the thing is, is it's it's basically COVID after COVID was the whole extra year, graduate transfers, all this other stuff. Then the NIL, right? And if you don't adjust to that. And we haven't adjusted to that. We didn't have. We don't have a, an athletic director that adjusted to it correctly. Oh, I think our athletic have. director's garbage. I mean, that's just me. I've said it before and, in regards to football. But anyway, and 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 I mean, realistically, some of those NCA you're talking, we're right in the bubble, and we end up going and we make an, and we make a run. And um, like I said, we had that one year after COVID with Buddy where we made a Sweet 16 when we were in a playing game, and then. That culminated the next year with the worst season that Bayheim's ever had. And the next season, which is this year, which, I mean, if it ends the way that we think it's going to end, will be his second worst year. So it's it's one of those things where he's either got to change his his way of thinking, mentality, everything, altogether, everything that he's done this whole time, or we have, we have to do something different there. We got to get somebody in here who's going to change with it because – that's that's really what I see. I mean, you want to talk about NITs and NCAA tournaments and this, this, and that. I mean, he's seen an NIT in every single decade from the mm-hmm. 80s all the way through. We've been to NITs and then NCAA tournaments. And, you know, up until last year, though, we were at least in the NIT every single year. That wasn't a year that we were basically ineligible because of NCAA sanctions or COVID. So that's really where we're at. And I think that's really why we have the out you know, just the outrage of the fans as far as far as how bad it's been now is that you have these last two years where these other teams um, and other colleges and stuff, they're figuring out the NIL and the graduate transfer and they're using it correctly and they're winning. There's teams that are going from the, the basement to the NCAA tournament the next year because they're using the resources available that the new rules have. And we just haven't done it. And like you said, it's it's a, it's a level playing field. Everybody can do it, except for you know different colleges have different NIL options. But I think something was tried, and if and it and it and it fell on its face a little bit. 
<laughs> to say the least. Well, I think that he, he's always been – I mean, yes, you got the onesie-twosie guys that came in, sat out a year, practiced with the team, then came in and played. And it was really, really good, right? And Elijah Hughes, Michael Benege, you know, guys like that. But then, you know, in recent years, I mean, we tried the transfer portal thing with, you know, John Gillen and Andrew White. And as much as there was great games and, you know, it was, it was a fun season, we, we made it to the anything. NIT. Yeah. Right. And then last year, we tried it again. Brought in three guys. Oh, and we, we had, well, yeah, I know. I mean, yeah, I mean. And we didn't, and we didn't, we had the worst season there ever. There was so. no, there was no. Not only no athleticism, but there was just there was just a. I just felt like that was just thrown together. You know, Coach Bond, he's got both his kids on the team. I mean, there's as talented as Buddy was. It's just there was, I don't know, man. Again, cohesiveness. And I thought I saw it coming together this year. I think that's why I'm so just disappointed. Is that you? You saw it coming together. You felt like it was getting better, and then we do, and then we're now we're dealing. Yeah. With this, and I think a lot of this too is outside of the coach's hands. To be perfectly honest with you, um, I think there's a lot of not trusting certain players on the team. Well, what do you think about what do you think about like um, this conversation here? Um, to your point, that's why I'm bringing this up. I didn't mean to cut you off. Yeah, you but, but Jake says Jake on Facebook says clearly Chris Bell was the problem. Sarcastically, right? And then Brian responds, something happened in practice between JB and Bell. He's not seen the quarter after starting, uh, and the players have all quit. So what what do you think – how much of that do you think plays in the last two games with what might be going on with Bell? I mean, do you even want to even speculate? But there's obviously something there. And is it is it just the locker room's lost? It, you know, I mean – Coach was at a loss for words, which is not something that we I think we've ever seen. Um, and obviously the body, the body language is shows a little bit, and the play showed. So, what is it? You have to imagine there's some degree of unhappiness to be this bad. I mean, it's Georgia Tech, dude. Oh no. That's what I'm saying. It's that you don't, like, we beat them by 17 at at Georgia's house. At their place. And then we turn around a month later and we lose by 20 at home. Like, yeah, it was a different Georgia's tech team, but they're not that much better. So something happened. You don't just go from competing against the Virginias and the Miamis and the North Carolinas of the world and beating and be, winning the games you're supposed to, to to doing what you've done the last three games, four games. No, I mean Georgia Tech stinks too. By the way, I mean they're just not. I mean they've 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 gotten a little bit better towards the end of the year. Okay, you know they pulled off a win against Virginia Tech towards the end of the year. Um, maybe Louisville. Yeah, my biggest thing was but, them was but, the rebounding. Now Boston Holland Boston College is is hot. Yeah, right. Boston College is hot. That's that's Georgia Tech's last game of the season. Yeah, we're a Georgia season. Tech fan this week, right? I mean, if we lose, because if they get Tuesday. smoked by Boston College, Boston College has been coming on strong lately. By no, the I'm way. just saying, if we lose and Boston College wins, then we're no longer the eight nine noon game on Wednesday. 
we're we're in the the Tuesday games. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, what were you saying about about rebounds? Thirty four twenty eight. I mean, we got out rebounded all, all four. They're these tall. This guy was six seven. <laughs> yeah, that's terrible. That's that, like, that was effort. The rebounds are effort. A, he bro. went up and dunked on both of them. I know it's embarrassing. Benny and Malik and Jesse are taller than that guy, and he was going up between two of them at a time, and he was making layups and getting rebounds. That's the most frustrating thing. Other than watching every single three go in. Seemed like every three, but not even half went in. But still, it was a ridiculous. Quite possibly I mean, the worst loss record. of the season for me. School record. You can talk about Bryant and the, that. What, the worst thing, game? But Absolutely yeah. the worst game. That has been that might be the worst game I've seen in a decade. I mean, I was going to be that dramatic at one point, Joe. I mean, Colgate was open. bad last year. Colgate was bad last year, but, but Colgate was decent, dude. They made the freaking tournament. This team doesn't have a snowball's chance of hell of making anything. They're not making Colgate anything. If Colgate was in the ACC, they wouldn't either. I understand that, but it does. that's not the situation. The situation is that, that Georgia Tech stinks. And, and we got smoked. Well, they didn't on Tuesday. They did. They, they, did, they went off on Tuesday because we stunk. What, did we stink more or were they just that good? We stunk more, dude. We stunk more. We stunk it up. <laughs> Big time. All right, I'm done with this game. Yeah, dude. Yeah. I'm done with it. Um, the all time series between Syracuse and Wake Forest sits at 10 and 2 in favor of the Orange. Uh, Syracuse and Wake met only one time prior to Syracuse joining the ACC, that being the 2001 preseason NIT tournament. Syracuse also got their first tournament win in the ACC against uh, the ACC tournament win against Wake Forest in 2018. Last year, Syracuse took the W 97-72. Gerard, Buddy, Edward, Swider, and Jimmy, you're starting five. Buddy with 30 points in that game. Uh, the Demon Deacons sit at 18-12 overall, 10-9 in the ACC, and they're coming off a loss uh, to Boston College. I talked about Boston College a second ago. They lost that game 71-69 to on Tuesday. They have some decent wins, though, despite that in the ACC. 81-70 to win against Duke. That's good. 77-75 uh, against Virginia Tech and 92-85 to against North Carolina. They have four guys this year so far averaging double digits in the game. Tyree Appleby, um, he's the best among them. He leads the team with just about 19 points a game. Um, they're averaging as a team just over 38 shots from distance a game. Do they shoot the three ball nonstop. Do you think that's bad for Syracuse? Uh, Damari Monsanto, he takes the bulk of those. He hits about, um, he hits, he, he's good enough for 40%. 87 for 215 from behind the arc for that dude. The no, let me stop you there. Okay. Uh, a week ago against NC State, he tore his patella tendon. He's out for the season. Okay. He's missed that's, the last two games. That's too bad for him. Um, the, aforementioned, <laughs> <laughs> the aforementioned Tyree Appleby hitting 66 of 178 of his shots from distance. Good enough for 37%, not, not half bad. Uh, Davion Williamson is hitting at a clip of 39%. He's got 48 out of 122. So, obviously, that changes things a little bit. But still, a team that's averaging 38, it, knowing what they know and seeing what they've seen, Obviously, the game plan for them is going to be just that. And they got some guys that can do it um, besides um, 
Monsanto. But as a team, they're scoring about 77 points a game, hitting 46.4% from the field, 37% from behind the arc, and 74.5% from the free throw line. Not that it matters a whole hell of a lot, but Wake Forest is 86th in the net. That makes this a quad two game at home. Um, doesn't matter, but I throw that in I think in we're there. a quad four for them. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Syracuse is 136. Are they 36? Okay, I thought they were 31. Yeah, they're 131. 131st. <laughs> Whatever. They, they went from 129 like to 131. Three? That is a four for Wake Forest. That is going to be a quad one. Quad two. two. Three. 130. No, it's quad two. Wow. Yeah. Uh, quad two away is 76 to 135. All right, Joe, what do you got? Let's get this over with. <laughs> obviously, okay, so. obviously i slacked on my scouting report because uh, that's where i am at this point in the season um uh, but good catch joe i appreciate that yeah yeah. No problem. i feel a little better uh, now though about the game but <laughs> so did i because I, I was really worried about... <laughs> <laughs> it's like i'm like this dude shot up like he shoots up eight threes a game like yeah shooting at 40 percent like this is the guy right here he's six, shooting six, more than eight three he's, he's shooting at least 10 215 in 18 games. Oh, how many games did he play? Well, he, oh, played, he yeah. played 18 games. Go. Yeah. He's played in 27 games. You're only looking at the ACC. Oh, you're right. You're right. So either way, um, yeah. So what I so what I did was I went and I looked at their their, their last couple box um, scores. And um, their lineup they're playing is quite interesting, to be perfectly honest with you. So, um Majority of their time and their starters are going to obviously Tyree Appleby and Davion Williamson, both uh, senior guys. Tyree Appleby uh, transferred from Florida. Davion Williamson, he's he's the guy that he transferred three, two or three years ago when this new coach from East Tennessee State came in, um, and he's actually from Winston Salem, so um, playing for his home team. Those two guys, six one guards. Those are really the guys we're going to have to look out for as far as scoring um, and making the plays and stuff like that. But um, the last couple games, they've been starting a um, sophomore forward who's, I say, says forward, but he's 7'1, 250 pounds, Matthew Marsh. Um, and also, um, next to him, another forward, uh, transfer from Delaware, Andrew Carr, who's 6'10", 220. And last game, they started another forward, Bobby Clinton, Clintman, who is a freshman, 6'10", 225 from Sweden. You um, got to say so, it like Sweden. Yes, it like Sweden, that. Sweden, sorry. There. So they, um, they started three guys over 6'10", last game, with their two guards, uh, awesome. Appleby and Williamson. And, um, you know, also taking up some of the... Um, the minute sophomore guard, 6'5", Lucas Taylor, and um, and Cam Hildreth, who is a sophomore uh, guard, 6'4", um, as well, that comes off the bench. So those are like the main guys. They went pretty much seven deep against um, Boston College. They lost by two last game. So um, they've only had two games without 
Monsanto. And the first game, they beat Notre Dame by, I think, six or eight. And then they just lost to Boston College by two. So um, two teams that we beat, I think, every time we played them this year. So this is a different team. Notre um, Dame and who? Notre Dame we did. Who? Boston, Boston College. College, yes. Yeah. So um, this is a different team. And they're still trying to figure out the loss without Monsanto. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say that they can't do certain things. But, I mean, it's kind of, you know, I'm not ever going to cheer an injury. But it's kind of a breath of fresh air that after what's happened the last three games, four games, especially with the three-pointers, that um, that their best three-pointer isn't going to be playing. Yeah, so. and, and uh, I was just going to correct myself again and take another walk of shame. How about uh, that? It's 25 threes a game, which is still, it's not 38, but it's 25. Hey, look, we all make mistakes. And after it's the about last four games, especially the Tuesday, uh, I mean, it's, about, it's hard. It's about it owning your mistakes, I think. It's what it's about. Oh, okay. And well, I, I appreciate I that. I owned it. Hey, guess what? Not a lot of people do that these days. I appreciate it. True. Thanks, Joe. I wasn't going to call you out. I'm, I'm not going to be like that. Tw- that Twitter troll that's like, unfollow count games. Oh, unfollow. Un- unfollow. Uh, hey, look, I'm a high character guy. What can I say? Um, yeah. So, uh, but they're tall. There's they're tall. Rebounding, rebounding. rebounding. Well, it's a problem, and you know what's gonna really suck is that uh, there's a lot going on. This weekend in Syracuse, and we talked about it earlier, with the alumni, the 20th anniversary of the championship, retiring some some pretty um, some pretty predominant jerseys and, and some legends in uh, Warwick and McNamara. And I still don't think it's going to motivate this team from what I see to go out there and win. Um, now look. It's what have you done for me lately at this point for me. The hope that I had and the faith that I had is no longer because of what I've seen and what I've lived through. And I've lived through quite a bit this year in Syracuse basketball season, Joe. And it hasn't been pretty. Right when they put me to this point, though, every single time, they just draw me back in. Yeah. With some Take kind the of Godfather, some kind of crazy win, and a run somewhere. Uh, I bet. Well, only it's only going to be the ACC tournament. There's no other run to have. Uh, no, that's it. So, so anyway, uh, but I don't think it happens. And I love this team. And my only wish for this team is that it doesn't fall to pieces once the season's done. Because I think starting over could suck. Or it could be a blessing in disguise. Who knows? But I really wanted to see this team together next year. And I hope they can pull it together. But you know what? Lord willing, it, it, it is what it is. And um, I think everything happens for a reason. And, and we'll see what happens at the end of the season. But I, I think this game and, and, and maybe a game in the ACC. And you know we're not going to be... We've dropped so hard in the ACC now too that I don't even know what our um, what our seed would look like. And they were doing some mock tournament stuff. Um, our seed for what? 
for the ACC. So Dude, that's what it is. We're in the eight nine game right now. If we win, okay, we basically right. if we win, then we play Wake Forest again on Wednesday. Okay, at all noon. Right. Okay, all which right. again, so you been missing their guy. It might be the best situation being an eight nine game, being on the opposite side of Duke, as far as in the as far as on the. But if we lose, bracket. if we lose and Boston College beats Georgia Tech, then we go to the ten seed, and I'm then we play. Then we play the last seed. Well, we we play Louisville on Tuesday, okay. and then we'll be on Duke's side of the bracket. So we gotta win. Golly day! The last freaking team I want to see again this year is Duke. No, no. thank you. No, Dude, if thank we you. lose, if we lose, no, yeah, no, no, no. I mean, we'd have to win in the ACC tournament to see them, but I know it's hard to beat two teams in a row or a team twice especially in a row within a week. But, I mean, that's really where we're looking at right now. Well, I don't think they win. I think they hmm. lose 86 to 72 anyway. Damn. So. I don't think your cat liked that. <laughs> I don't think she did either. It's not even Otto. Otto would be hissing right now. That's, that's <laughs> Nala. She's the sweet one. Otto's an asshole. Yeah, yeah well, I mean. In the green room, they're talking about how tickets are up pretty high, and there's supposed to be a snowstorm. So, um, oh, well, that's, that's awesome. So that should bring the fans in. Oh yeah, makes it a lot easier. Yeah, and and why not jack the price up on a on a on a game, the last game of the season, when the team is on a four game skid, and you really need fans there? I mean, why not jack the price up? That's gonna really pack the dome. Hashtag pack the dome. Well, I mean, I still think that they're going to get the good. They're going to get good students, and I think they're relying on the fact that it, what is it, it's alumni weekend and senior day, and it's all it's everything. It's everything day. It's all the stuff except for homecoming. Yeah, basically, it's everything else. So, I mean, that alone is going to get. I mean, I've seen a lot of people on Facebook talking about how they can't wait to go to the game and da 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 da, da and this is and that. But it's, I don't like I said before, like we were talking about. I don't think it's because of the game. It's because, it's because of, the, of the, the festivities. And a lot of alumni, um, a lot of ex-basketball players are going to be there. So, Are you picking a score, or what are you doing? Did you, um, did you already? I think we win 76-75. Oh, my gosh. What's, oh, my gosh. I mean, I hope you're right. You know, I'm I, just saying, like, think about the things that are going on right now. I, what do you mean? I'm just, like, thinking about, like... The coaches' like conversations with. I mean, I was listening to Jerry McNamara. He was on. So that's the one thing. The assistant coaches, like we talked about, the um, the uh, local radio shows that are on ESPN and stuff like that, like ESPN. Um, I'm ten. I, I like so the much. news. Yeah. And I listen to like they have all the assistants on there with Griffin, and you know they all got their their days and their weekly spots and stuff like that. And you know, You're talking about Q Mac- Sports Talk. Yeah, Mac McNamara, he talked about um how, you know, he was talking to Joe and Joe's like, I've never lost like this. Like I've never you know, and he was and Jerry was trying to tell him, like, Well, I have, you know, and, and it's it's who you are. You, you don't let the losses change you, you gotta keep moving. You well you should happens. let him cha- you should let him change you a little bit. You should let them you know, the, the yeah, well, losses like that should, should motivate, motivate you. you. Yeah. 
but it shouldn't change. It shouldn't change you as far it as losing your bring confidence. You, it shouldn't bring you down and make you make you sad for yourself and give you the sads. Right. You know, it gave me the mm-hmm. sads, but I'm not playing the game. Right. And then you know, at the at the end of the day, too, there's a harsh reality that some people just can't play basketball with other people. Like that's just it. I mean, do that's you just, see? Do you see two people team, who you would like to team, mention? Team sports, huh? Do you see two people that you would like to mention that you don't think can play basketball together? No, I don't think I'm not going to call out names. I'm just. I was just. I'm just curious if you're willing to do it. That's all. No, I just think that there's players that can't do it all, and when you're getting doubled or you're getting switched and you have to pass to these guys when they're open to rely on them to make shots and they don't all year, then it's difficult. You know, people want to wonder why Judah makes bad decisions sometimes or gets stuck driving to the, to the, to the lane or Joe takes bad shots. Well, oh, they're trying to do else, too much. Who else is helping them? Right. Well, who else is helping? Them? Well, we know that. And that's, we know what all happen- that. and that's what happens in basketball and in team sports. Is that if you have teammates that you lose trust with, then it doesn't make it that easy to just pass it to them when they're open. You know? The same thing with a quarterback and a receiver. They drop by wide open balls. Well, guess what? It doesn't make it easy for the quarterback to throw it to them the next time. And that's, I think, a lot of what's going on. Is I think that you got some guys that are ready for prime time, and then there's other guys that aren't, and they're trying to figure it out, man. And I just... Don't know if there is a fix because, I mean, you can't just snap a finger and make the kids ready. It's just all there is to it. Yeah, I know. That's why I'm, I'm always slightly irritated when everybody's just like, oh, fire Bayheim, fire Bayheim, fire Bayheim. Like, obviously, there's plenty of blame to go around, and there's things that maybe he could do different. But, um, yeah, but how many. How many years has he come out and acted like he's almost like exasperated? Like I don't know. I don't ever what remember a do. press conference like the one we just listened to against Georgia Tech after Georgia Tech. No, I don't remember a press conference like that. And I've listened to a lot of press conferences of his. I'm dating back long before I was listening to press conferences of his long before we did this show. And this is our seventh year doing basketball, seventh season of basketball. <laughs> He felt defeated. He, he felt confused. Yes. I mean, it he seemed was confused. like confused. He confused me. I didn't know what to think. That's why I. Because he doesn't know. <laughs> it's never happened. It doesn't make it's sense to go and beat it's, a team on the road by funny. seventeen and then it's lose. Really, I mean, funny. we were losing by thirty. We were yeah. losing by thirty at home to Georgia Tech. Like, that's not what's supposed to happen. You no, don't go backwards. Those those things aren't supposed to happen. Losing to Georgia Tech by ten isn't supposed to happen. So getting out rebound by did we get how much did we get out rebound to twenty eight? We've huh? been out rebounded the last four games. How do you I get how do you get out rebounded by a team where the tallest guy that's playing is? What did I say? Thirty four twenty eight? Is that what I said? I yeah, thirty four twenty eight. Yeah. But how? How does that happen? I don't know how, Joe. People are standing around. There's only two guys going after a rebound. Three and there's three guys watching them, and they're the two smaller guys in the court. On Jesse sometimes, but still, just, he's you know and Je- you know look, I mean what look Jesse's been phenomenal this year. I don't want to pick on Jesse, but my gosh, man, get some stronger hands. Once some in a bad while. games, yeah. I mean, grip the freaking ball. It's not. 
like hot. So anyway, well, I don't know. I don't know, dude. Just it's it's just crazy. I don't know. Sorry, someone's just pulled into my driveway. I'm trying to figure out what the hell's going. On. I know. I hear all all kinds of things. Joe's in the woods by the by the way doing the podcast. I don't think he's wearing anything either. There's people cool. people yelling out front. Said so there's a yeah. fox on the loose, and they think it's a rabbit. <laughs> no, that's it's Amazon. Of course. There's never uh there's never a day with Amazon. Hey Joe, how you doing today? <laughs> how we doing? Hey, got another they, one for Heather. Here here it is. You want to take it to her? You want me to go in there? Did you guys fix me dinner again? No, mine. I'm I'm about to actually install some type of like little like doggy door mailbox thing in the back. For so Amazon only. Slide it in. Yeah, for Amazon only. Well, uh, I'm surprised Amazon you know, reaches that deep into Youngsville. Yes. What? I said I'm surprised Amazon reaches that deep into Youngsville. Oh, come on, man. I'm right off the main right off the main street, man. Down a dirt road, then down another dirt road. <laughs> hey, look, that's why. That's why when I stood up, she said, Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> Who is that? That's Amazon, yeah. I swear. You don't you don't just come down these roads for nothing. No, you should said, definitely okay, you, you, pull. Sh- you should definitely give a courtesy honk. <laughs> Something. Yeah. Yeah. No. Like I told you, I I pray for the day that I can watch an Amazon truck come down our street and drive past my house. I heard it hasn't that. happened yet. Though. I heard that, but look, I'm guilty, so I can't talk. <sighs> you are. I am. I'm guilty. guilty. I I am guilty. I'm I'm I I I do the Amazon thing. If I need something, and I'm like, I don't feel like going to this store and that store and seeing if they got it. Like it'll be here tomorrow. Okay, sold. Boom. So hard. So hard. Sometimes they're here in hours. Oh, I don't do that in my my area. I don't get same day stuff. No. No, there's a hub too in Virginia Beach, but I mean maybe it's because the population. You got like 25 people that live there, so it's probably pretty easy. To- <laughs> Stop it! Stop it! It's probably pretty Not easy like to that, get man. there. Um, I mean, I don't know, but what do you think? Like, what I think about, about what you want to talk about change? basketball again? Change with the changing of the coaches. I mean, I'm gonna have to. I, I'm, I I'm, mean, I'm, 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 look, I love Jim Beheim. He's been here my whole life. I absolutely love the guy. I totally respect him. I don't agree with the bashing. I don't agree with the firing stuff. I don't agree with a lot of it. Um, the dude's a legend. He's, he's, he's done so much for this, um, this school. And I mean, he put freaking Syracuse on the map. Without Jim Beheim, it doesn't really happen. Okay. Because you want to talk about, um, the you can talk. Well, Syracuse lacrosse and in, in football. I mean, look, man, it's it's you know soccer. <laughs> okay, soccer won a national championship. No one's talking about that anymore. Let's be honest. I mean, it's great, but that's not putting Syracuse on the map. All right, basketball put Syracuse on the map back in the day. I was a kid. It's the first freaking sport I enjoyed watching. Coach Beheim was the man. He was the man at the wheel, and we had some fantastic years. I have an emotional attachment, okay? So I do have built-in bias towards Jim Beheim. With that said, I don't think it would be the end of the world to start figuring out a path outside of Jim Beheim, but I think that's being done. It's And, and I just don't know 
you know, when the time is the time, it's the time. It's not for me to say. It's not for fans to say. And I feel like sometimes fans have too much influence on everything anyway because of social media and all the rest of it. But you know, there, mean, there are some things that I think Jim could do better the last couple of years. And, you know, I think um, six freshmen is, was risky to begin with. And it turned out to be so. I mean, I'm no, I, yeah, I'm no expert, but to maybe try to dabble. I mean, we got Monier Hemo, right? Okay, we needed that. We needed a backup guy for for Jesse. But, you know, maybe you get a little bit more experience, but you can't do both or you're slighting someone and they're going to be the young kids are going to be gone and the transfers are going to be gone because most likely they're going to be fifth year guys, fourth year guys anyway. And that's the that's the problem. You got these transfers, these graduate transfers coming in. These they're co- transfers are coming in to start and play. Exactly. So what and do you want to do? You want to lose a promising freshman that might be there two years for one year and, and give you solid time and give you solid, um, solid building block to to go off of. You know, I mean, does Joe come back for a fifth year? I don't know. Um, I don't see why he wouldn't. In my opinion, I don't feel like he's going anywhere. Uh, right away. Um, you know, it's just, it's kind of like, does he want to do it? I think that's what it comes down to for Joe. He's got one more year. He can do this. Um, I thought I saw a lot, I saw a lot out of Joe this year, a lot of progress in, in, in his position change and all that stuff. And I mean, I don't know, man, like I said, he's a professional, he's an overseas professional basketball player. Yes. And the way I look at it is at the end of the day, he's probably like, I don't know how much better he's going to get. So really, it just comes up to him. If he wants to do some school stuff and give it another shot to get into a tournament, then that's to me, that's that's on him. You know what I mean? But um, Jesse can definitely get better. There's definitely improvements that Jesse can make, and he's not going to go to the NBA. So there's really, to me, no reason why Jesse wouldn't come back either. Um, And realistically, Judah, I mean, I don't see him being a first-round pick. So if you're not a first round pick, I just don't think that you should go, and that's just always been my right. But know, that's, that's not that's always your the guar- case. That's though. your guaranteed contract, though. Yeah, but if that's you're not- second round, you're not guaranteed to make crap. I know, but that's not always the case. There's a lot of really good players in college basketball that are gonna be, that are gonna be doing that. I think it comes down to that. Well, that's, but that's the thing is, is that you have to think that it's not just college; it's international. International is going to take up ten draft picks in the first round. Oh, true that. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. you're only going to get the top 20, 25 guys from college in the, that first round anyway because you're going to have the international guys. So, I mean, that's just this is what it is. So to me personally, the, the only one that would make sense in not coming back would be Joe because he's going to be able to – I mean, you'll maximize how much money you can make overseas. You're not going to make the NBA. I mean, if you want to come back, I'm cool with it. But I – to me, it makes sense that he's ready to go and make some money. But again, I don't know his personal situation. So, yeah, we'll see. Nala's back. Oh. And then there's obviously the transfer situation and everything like that. But I guess my thing is, is that would you prefer? Would you personally prefer them to hire an assistant coach from? The team or somebody else, like and just it, somebody that has assist- nothing to do. We have an assistant coach from the team. Oh, oh, you mean pull up a, pull up a, um, a, 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 a an orange assistant to head. Like yeah, Jerry like, I mean, are we going to stay in the red? orange coaching tree like they did Hubert Davis um, and John Shire and keep the family? 
you know, the whole family environment type thing, you know, or are we going to completely just gut that? I, I don't think it would be smart to totally gut that. There's going to be a lot of people who say we just need to do something totally different. But I think it, I think at this point, if you're, if you're talking about having a Jim Beheim leave and you got to do something, I say, why wouldn't you? Why, why wouldn't you? I mean, at least try that first. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, at least it's going to be short, bro. Oh, absolutely. It'll be short. It's going to be a short little leash that says two, three zone on it. It's going to be a short leash, (laughs) but, but I, I don't see how you, you can honestly look at lacrosse. Gary Gate coaching the girls team, women's team. Got an opening. Desco leaves. Gary Gate fills the hole. I mean, it's, you know, the only thing we don't have this with is football. Yeah, but Gary Gate also brought that women's team to national prominence. I, I I know, I know. That's not what I'm saying. You missed my point. I'm not I'm not comparing the the caliber or anything like that. I'm just saying that you know it's it's a it's it's well, what a lot of you... teams do. It's what a lot of schools do. You got student uh, athletes that end up becoming coaches, and um, I think why not try it? You know, when you have the pieces to to um, fill roles, why wouldn't you do it? like that first it's like me at work hiring from within you know i always look from from the from the guys i got to step up and do things before i would even think about going outside and looking for somebody um because they know what they know what to do they know the procedures they know um you know they know what's black and white they know that everything you know i mean and you know you talk about jerry mcnamara he's gonna stick with his own i think it's time that we maybe start recruiting for um, some some more athletic aspects to the defense. I think that there there is some a lot of truth to what I was saying earlier about the the zone is just it's been passed by to a certain extent because the game has changed so much and the game's different and the zone is just not as effective. I mean, we used to bitch about you know all the the offense is terrible, but you know we're keeping these games in the in the low sixties and. Um, first one to fifty-five wins. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Now oh, we're yeah. now we're just like now we're just like well, uh, you know, it's just a shootout, and we're not keeping up because we're getting smoked. So yeah, I mean, yeah, it's no, just it, it has, has changed. changed. It's changed. So you got to either start recruiting to change it. Um, mm. see, uh, I feel like there's a prop. There was a situ. I feel like there was a time. When we could have done that. Like, think about it. Oh, like, yeah, Bayheim, right? So, he started out with a 2-3 zone. Late 70s. Comes on the head coach. There's not a three-point line. No, you're right. Three-point line was not even invented at that point. Yeah. So, so it made him shoot from way out. 2-3 zone was easy. Yeah. Made him oh, shoot. you're going to shoot all the way out there for two yeah, points? go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I don't care. And it worked. Yeah. And it worked to the yeah. point where he gets Pearl Washington and Steven Think Thompson. about it. Think about this, Joe. Think about this. The last game against Georgia Tech, for instance, that's a two-point loss. Yeah. If there's, if there's no <laughs> there's line. There's no three-point line. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. what I mean. Yeah. Like, that's how that three-point line changed the game, right? And then it took players a long time to figure that out. You know, they were still going down to the big men, traditional centers. You know, now you got teams where you got four or five guys that can all shoot threes. And they're stepping out and they're shooting deeper threes and they're spreading the zone out more and more and more. Um, 
And that's really what happened. But he got so successful to the point where, I mean, you remember these teams were, like I said, Pearl Washington into Sherman Douglas, Stephen Thompson, Billy Owens, Derek Coleman, uh, Ronnie Cycli. Like that whole era, that whole, like we were, he was, he got Syracuse to a point where he was recruiting top, top guys that made it to the NBA, that played man to man in the end. We could have played, they played man to man. Beheim played man to man when he had those guys. Yeah. So at some point, he, got to a point where he didn't have to recruit for the zone and he could have recruited where whoever he wanted and just played man. But because that's how he started, that's how he stayed. And he always thought it was just going to be this staple, this staple. And he never, he, there was times in his tenure where he could have made that switch where he was still top recruiter, top notch, you know, teams that could get these NBA guys and we could play man. And we just, we never made the change. And now here we are, and now we're not as relevant in the ACC and in the past five years. So recruiting is – and then we lose recruits, right? We lose our big man coach with Bernie Fine, and now our big men aren't as good or haven't been, right? We lose Mike Hopkins, who's been our best recruiter. And now it's to the point where everyone can shoot threes, and there needs to be a change. And if he can't change, then – we have to change the coach, and that's just the stark reality of where we're at right now. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Like I said, I mean, we'll see what happens at the end of this year. I just don't want it to fall apart. That's all. It's but. just my thing is is that every single time that, that the game has changed, he's been able to make the change. Maybe there's a little hiccup in there. There's a little NIT one or two year, and then they make the change. They figure it out, and they move forward, and the 2-3 zone ends up working. And I just think that now we've gotten to the point where I just, especially with the graduate transfer, not having to sit out NIL, like it's just, it's tough. And unless he finds a way to figure this out, modify his way to I, make it work. I, I think he's obviously but does reached, he have that energy? The, reached the end of his options on it. Just to listen to the last press conference. But um, anyway, we could probably do another two hours like this on this topic and in in floating ideas around, but um, like I said, it's just is, tough. Is it's it, tough to talk about because, like you said, it's just, he's been the constant. I mean, everybody, everyone that's in the green room, most of the people that we talk to, he's been the coach. He's been Syracuse basketball since we grew up. And sometimes change is scary, you know. And as much as people want to scream for change, I mean, I'm not more scared about it as I am. Um, just apprehensive, I guess, in some of the unknowns and well, just, just the nostalgia. And the grass is always, isn't always greener. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Right? We've experienced enough stuff we've in our lives to know. We've both before, so, yeah. Yeah. I mean. So that's that's the, what it is. Scary is the unknown. The scary is what's going to happen, which, again, is the change. I mean, and do we so, want to, yeah, what are we going to go through when that change happens? Right. So, and can it be worse? Than look at what happened done? with Pitt. You know, what did it take Pitt? Three, four years? I mean, John, uh, Capel, they were talking about firing Capel last year. Well, he had to go buy a team, right? <laughs> I mean, he technically did buy a team. <laughs> I mean, it technically did. Why Why is that so controversial? He technically it's, did. It's and Miami not. technically did buy a team. They at least bought one badass player for $800,000 in a car. I mean, everybody's buying teams. It's not a secret. Well, you just can't say it out loud now. 
Oh, you can't say that. <laughs> I mean, Miami's under some kind of investigation for some of the shit that they did. No, not Miami. <laughs> so, I mean, like, like Miami itself isn't that attractive enough to bring people. Seriously. I know, you know? So, anyway. Um, maybe some other time. Um, all right. <laughs> I will. I will. Don't tempt me. Uh, no. That... It's going to do it for us today. If you're still listening, we appreciate all of you. Look, hang in there. You still have us. We can talk it out together. All right, we'll see you on Sunday. For Joe, I'm Sean. We're out.